Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected. I'm not quite sure where that old English accent came from. I've been reading a lot of Batman recently. Maybe it's from the Alfred Butler. I don't know. Anyway, disregard that. Welcome to Excellence Expected. And as ever, thank you so much for pressing that play button. Now, today we are going to challenge the issue of really focusing down on your marketing and very specifically focusing on the right type of people for your business. Now, we've all taken work that, frankly, has just not been very good. And we've either undercharged it or it's been the wrong type of work. We don't feel passionate about it. You know, we we do these things for various reasons. Either we don't quite know what we're doing with the marketing. Something's worked, something's not worked. We kind of do things for portfolio. We end up doing spec work. We end up doing mates rates. We end up doing favors. All of these things come together to make for work that we don't want to do. And that is what we're going to talk about today how to figure out who you want to work with. And it comes with a warning. Your marketing actually might just work. And helping me today to frame this issue and providing three fantastic actionable tips is someone who is a fantastic, fantastic global entrepreneur. In fact, an award-winning entrepreneur, which uh, is not something to be taken lightly. So welcome to the show, Mr. Jay Allen. Good afternoon, Mark. Hello, sir. It's uh, This is a very, very interesting topic, and I'm really looking forward to digging into it because marketing is one of those things that people kind of just do, don't they? They just do marketing, and I think unless you focus in on it, you sometimes get it really wrong. My biggest concern with marketing is, is the people that seems to still believe that marketing is a spend um, as opposed to an investment and, and the majority of people who see it as a as a spend, as a cost to the business, are the ones that still don't understand that done well, it is an investment because I'm never, ever, ever going to spend a penny on marketing unless I know that I'm going to get at least a 400% return on my investment. And the way to be able to do that is to understand exactly as to who you want to market to and what the outcome is going to be before you start putting your hand in your pocket. Well, that's a massive, massive point. Both of those sort of bookend marketing completely. And I'm really looking forward to digging into that because I think it's vital for people, especially in this online world where everything, especially feedback and metrics are so, so readily available. And before we just dive into that, Jay, let's just frame Jay Allen. What is it you do, sir? And where are you from? Okay. So uh, for for the majority of my primary career, um, I was a paramedic in the British Army. Um, I, I spent a lot of time um, serving with infantry soldiers um, on the front line across the world uh, and believed it was going to be um, a career soldier. Um, that was until I had an accident in 2003, um, which spent uh, determined that I ended up spending a fair amount of time in hospital throughout 2003, 2004, and was eventually medically discharged in 2004. Um, when you suddenly realise that the career that you've chosen for yourself is over, um, uh, somewhat primarily, uh, you need to be established as to what you're going to do next. Um, and for the last 11, 12 years, I've been somewhat significantly successful in, in either buying businesses or growing my own businesses. I've had four of my own businesses, three um, service providers and one online business, 
as well as working with some of the UK's PLCs um, in support of their boardrooms. So you've seen quite a cross-section of of marketing at work then, you know, from having to do it yourself from a service perspective, from having to do something from an online product perspective, which can be very different and also at the same time can hold very similar traits, but also the corporate side of things as well, which is, you know, presents its own challenges, doesn't it? Absolutely. And uh, I'm a firm believer that there is a distinctly different way in being able to market to corporate than there is to SME or micro business. Yeah, I would totally, totally agree with that one. And, you know, let's just think about marketing, I guess, as a landscape for a second, because we are going to dig into how to make your marketing work and how to, you know, how to bookend it with the metrics and who you want to target on either side of it. What is the current landscape of marketing right now in terms of what people are doing in the SME environment? You know, what are some of the common mistakes? What are some of the, I guess, some of the pitfalls that people fall into right now? Absolutely. I mean, what we need to understand, certainly in Western culture, in the in the UK and across Western culture, is the fact that if you leave your house to go to a job and you travel on a road somewhere or, or, or you turn the radio on or the TV or you open a newspaper or a magazine, by the time you've finished your day's work and returned home, watched a bit of TV and whatever it is that you do in the kitchen before you sign off for the night, you've been barraged with way over three and a half thousand different marketing messages every single day of your life. And there's this real fear that small business owners will dip the toe in as many different marketing avenues as they think needs to be without any real understanding of what they're doing. And then the moment it doesn't provide the results for them, think that it doesn't work and move on to the next and to the next and to the next until they they just run out of options and say marketing doesn't work. And it's only when you start to break down exactly as to what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to do that, that you realize that any one of them can work if you actually apply it and follow it through. Yeah, I, I totally, totally jump on board with that. It's it's one of the most frustrating things that we see as an agency is the fact that, I mean, SEO is a classic example. Oh, we do SEO. Okay, well, tell me about that then. Oh, well, you know, we kind of pay someone five keywords and we get ranked in the top three sometimes and sometimes we don't, but we do SEO. So that's cool because I can, I can tell all the guys down at the pub that we do SEO. And, you know, that's, that's sort of one side of it. And you're right. The other side of it is very much, okay, we're just going to throw some budget at this. And you know what? If it doesn't work the first time, then that tactic or that strategy is wrong. Yeah. It's not this idea of success through consistency, is it? And that is just so frustrating as a marketer. People don't seem to understand that anything's to do with a successful business. It's about building relationships with the right people. So when the right people are ready to buy, that they know to ask for you by name rather than just search for you by industry. And that's done by consistently building the reputation and relationship with the right people through effective marketing. There's quite a lot banded about at the moment. I know it's kind of cliched, but it does really sum it up. You know, there's the old B2B, there's the old B2C. And there's all these little memes flying about now that are saying basically marketing is H to H, which is human to human, which the the concepts sound and you know I can I can get on board with that. But you know when it comes down to the real grassroots level, the actual implementation of this. For a lot of, certainly SMEs, and especially on the small business side of things, that must be really difficult as a concept to put into practice. Is that something that you are seeing more and more of people trying to do this, but kind of not really knowing how to do it? Very much so. I mean, my biggest concern for SMEs at the moment is the fact that so many of them are in busyness rather than actually in business. 
um, they, they hear and see and, and are barraged by so many different opportunities um, whilst they're still trying to do the day-to-day of actually managing the business that they haven't got time to be able to take all of these different concepts on board. And therefore, if you can throw something together in 15 or 20 minutes on a Friday afternoon before you finish for the weekend, then, then brilliant, that must be enough. Um, and unless people actually have some form of structured marketing strategy as to understand as to what they want to achieve, how they're going to achieve it, what's going to be the results and to follow it through, then unfortunately, it just seems to be that they're throwing some money out there and hoping some of it sticks. Yeah, I, I see that quite a lot. And it's really frustrating that people jump straight to tactics. People jump straight to the doing, to the implementation. And it, in a lot, of, especially small business, I think you hit the nail right on the head there that people think, right, quarter to five, got to get this ad out. Ah, that'll do. And it's a tick in a box. And it's not anything that's strategized. It's not anything that works in tandem with anything else. The metrics aren't planned. The objectives aren't set. And it's really, really frustrating. But they actually feel like they're doing a cracking job because they've put a tick in that box. And so many people get that wrong, don't they? Mark, let, let, let's try a little scenario because I'm sure it's going to work to, to, to ring true with many of your listeners. How many times have any of you um, had that anonymous phone call or an email that's come through at perhaps about four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon from the Telegraph or the Guardian or, or one of the big um, broadsheet newspapers that says, you're in luck. We've got some last minute editing space available in Saturday's edition of the business paper that's going to be read by way over half a million people. But we need your copy in the next 30 minutes. And instead of it costing you 15 grand for a page, you could have it for just 1500 quid. And, and then the small business owner is frantically thinking, call that such a wonderful opportunity to get my business message and my brand out there in front of half a million people. I quickly need to cobble some to get in together and to, to find £1,500 on my credit card in order to be able to do it. And then they get so disappointed when the phone doesn't ring on Saturday or Sunday or Monday. And quite frankly, if that's how we're going to manage our marketing, then we might as well just take £1,500 and give it to the closest stranger and hope that they feel sympathetic enough that they'll spend some of it with us. Yeah, I mean, that's a cracking example. And I think anyone in small business, certainly in the UK, I don't know about you guys listening in the States, whether that kind of thing happens. I'm sure it does because it's a it's a, a tactic as old as time. But it's, uh, it's so frustrating. I think we've all considered doing that you know in the early days of business you think well wait a minute the telegraph this seems like a, an offer i can't refuse and you're right it's this shotgun approach and you know people don't know you they don't care about your business and i think that's one of the 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 other kind of things that crops up quite a lot when i'm talking to people and i don't know about yourself jay but people assume that their prospects and their potential customers care they think that because we love our business of course, they're going to love it automatically, but they don't know a thing about it. So this big once out there, big shout out about our business is going to do nothing at all, is it? Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's the scary reality is the fact that no one loves your business as much as you do. Uh, in actual fact, they don't really care about your business at all. And yet the amount of times that uh, I, I do a number of website reviews for people and you'll find that. You know, you go onto the homepage and, and the whole page is full of accolades about how good they are and how good their business is and how good. And quite frankly, I don't care. At the end of the day, I've got a problem 
and I need someone to try and fix it. And marketing is about being able to demonstrate to your ideal target market that you understand their current problem or pain and that you've got an ideal and unique way of being able to assist them in resolving that pain. I mean, I totally get that. I love that. And we're only here to solve problems for people. That's all you need to do in business and then let people know. The right people know that you can solve those problems. And I think that that's where people tend to forget. And I just want to kind of shift into that gear for a second and talk about the people then. So, you know, we're going to we're gonna try and help people really target down into their audience. But what do people tend to do? What is the kind of mistake that people make? What do they get wrong when targeting people? The biggest experience I've had with, with the errors that people make with regards to the targeting is not knowing who their ideal target customers are. Um, and the fear of that is the fact that if you do some marketing and you don't know who you are actually wanting to attract, then you're at risk of your marketing working, but attracting all the wrong people that aren't going to help you in your business. There is an easy way to be able to establish the right ways to do this. Uh, and I believe that the first thing that anyone should do before they spend a penny on marketing is to go back to your contact database, your, your client database, and to grade your customers. I, I want you, Now, I wouldn't recommend that you tell your customers that they've just been graded, um, but I believe that you should go back to your list, your, your client, your current clients and your past clients, and to grade them A and B and C and D. Now, to me, an A-grade customer isn't automatically the one who spends the most money with you. An A-grade customer is the one that makes you the most profit. Now, you might think that surely that's one and the same, but in actual fact, when you look at some of the B-grade customers, they're the ones that need some TLC, some bespoke service, the ones that won't just tip up and buy and walk away. If you're going to scale your business, if you're going to spend any money on marketing, then you need to attract A-grade and top B-grade customers. And until you know who they are in your current database, then you won't know how to attract other people like them. So an A-grade customer is who's going to be your, become your most profitable customers. Your B-grade customers are the ones that tend to spend well and often, but perhaps need a little bit of TLC in order to be able to do so. Many coaches will finish there and just turn around and say, just concentrate on A's and B's. Um, I firmly believe in a more ethical and moral approach to this and say, your C-grade customers are your bread and butter customers. They're the ones that they're the ones that have got you to where you are now. And they might not be the same customers that are going to get you to where you want to be in the future. But it's always best to remember as to who got you to where you are now. Because if you ever find yourself with your back against the wall and a little bit tight for cash or a little bit of an overspend, you can guarantee that your C-grade customers are your die-hard fans who are the ones that are going to come back and spend just a little bit with you at a time where you need them to in order to be able to get you over a hurdle. And quite frankly, your D-grade customers aren't valued on, on spend at all. I, I call them mood hoovers. They're the ones that just absorb all of your desires to be a business owner. And if you can't <laughs> identify those in your business, then you're at risk of marketing and winning some more of them. I love that. I, the reason I was chuckling is because we frequently, and I, this is something I take on personally, which sounds awful, um, <laughs> which is basically having a really nice conversation with the D-grade customers that we've identified and just saying, listen, guys, perhaps it's time for us to part ways. 
Um, and it sounds terrible, but they're just not the right fit and we aren't the right fit for them. And it sounds really, really awful, but everything that you said rings true. If you need to scale your business, you can't be spending all of your time on the people that don't value that time. And I think you're right. The A, Bs and Cs are the people that value the time. The Ds are the people that just want things cheap and they just want things quickly and they're not willing to pay for that speed or for that quality. Um, and I think so many businesses really, really struggle with that. I think so many people that that you see scratching around, having a bit of a rough time, they target the Ds because they're the ones that are willing to talk quickly and are willing to put some money into something, but are wanting 140, 150, 200% back for their own investment. So you're right. I mean, there's a risk of getting those kind of clients and, and you know, building a really kind of a scary foundation for your business on those guys, isn't there? Absolutely, because all you're going to do is you're going to continue to feed this busyness rather than business. Um, the other thing I'm conscious of is the fact that if I turn around and said, how many D-grade customers do you need in your business to actually make it grow? Um, and the simple answer is, I need to retract some that I've already got. However, if you turn around and said, how many more A-grade customers do you need to significantly grow your business? then all of a sudden you find that there's only a handful that you need. There might be five new A-grade customers that could make a significant difference to your bottom line. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if all your marketing was spent on trying to attract five new customers? I often find as well that, and this, is, this doesn't ring true for all customers, but certainly, I don't know, 65, 70% of them, you will put the same effort into gaining a D or a C grade customer as you will a B or an A grade customer. And what you'll tend to find, again, this doesn't ring true for everyone, but it certainly does for a lot of customers, is that those customers that you put that time into, that specific extra time, they will actually value you. They will treat you as a friend. They will treat you as someone that they listen to. And suddenly it's not a master-servant relationship. It's a partnership. It's something that you work on together and you collaborate, you throw ideas around and actually you stop selling to them. You just become a valued partner. And I think that's the best possible place you could be in business, isn't it? Absolutely. Because ironically, I know that from my aggregate, I'm going to ask a question now and I'm going to ask it in two different ways. And it's the same words, but a completely different context, because I know that if I go to a D-grade client, thankfully I'm I'm constantly going through my database to ensure that I'm I'm helping people from C's to become B's and B's to become A's and 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 signposting D's towards probably my competition. Um, but <laughs> I, I know that if if I ever put a prospect uh, or a proposal to a D-grade customer, they'll always say, "How much?" And yet, if I can put the same proposal and the same cost investment to an A-grade customer, and they'll simply say, well, how much? Um, and they're asking the same question, but it's a completely different context in how they ask it, because one's got a relationship with me, and the other one's only got a relationship with with a saving or a deal or some form of special offer. And, and that's not where my business is right now. And that goes back to everything that you said earlier on in terms of the marketing not being a spend, it being an investment. And the A's and the B's and even the C's, to some degree, down to C-grade level, will see marketing as an investment. 
They see it as something that they have to strategize and that they expect to get something back out of, which is totally different to how the degrades will see because they just believe that, well, you know, we're going to put X amount into this Telegraph advert at 1,500 quid. And do you know what? Deep down in our gut, we know that we're probably not going to see anything. So we're going to get the artwork done so, so cheap or we're not going to invest any time in this, but we want to feel good by doing something that we feel is proactive. And I think that runs across all kinds of tactics. And I just want to move into kind of the other bookend now. So we've spoken about, okay, this is the customer side of things. What about the objectives? What do people tend to get wrong when planning the marketing in terms of that return on the investment? Well, again, they don't start with the end in mind. Now, if I, the amount of times that I will see somebody that'll turn around and say, Oh, I've got so and so. They've got an advert on business cards. We could get five hundred for a hundred quid. Um, that's a good offer. And I'm saying, but but where does it fit into your strategy? What do you mean strategy? I says, well, how much money do you want to make on your bottom line? What is what is the market? What's the purpose of this marketing that we're going to do? So let. Let's use a real live example. Today I've been working on a campaign for June and July, and I want to see an additional £10,000 on my net profit by the end of July. Um, so I've worked through a funnel and established how many people do I need to, how many clients do I need, how many A-grade clients do I need in the next two months that's going to give me £10,000 net profit on my bottom line. Um, and in my particular line of business, I probably need six or maybe seven new new A-grade or B-grade clients to be able to, to get that £10,000. So then I need to look and say, well, well, how many people do I need to convert from a prospect to a customer in order to be able to get sevens to become A-grade customers? Well, we have about a 40% conversion rate from inquiry to customer, and of those customers, about 50% become A-grade within the first three to four months. So I now know that I need to speak to about 22 or 23 people or to get them to make inquiries in order to be able to get sufficient to convert to be able to get to my seven. So if I need 23 people to make inquiries, I probably need to talk to no more than about 100, 120 people to get 23 of them to make serious inquiries. So if I've got a budget of maybe 1500 or 2000 pounds to be able to spend on this campaign, wouldn't it be interesting if I spent 2000 pound on 120 people as opposed to 2000 pound on flyers to 50,000 people? The, the investment I'm going to make in each individual prospect is very much in relation to how much they are become worth to me as a as an end result. I don't think anyone, well, that's quite a broad statement. I don't think many people in very small business ever think about that cost per acquisition. I don't think anyone ever looks at that because they just see, one, the investment, two, the deliverable from that investment. And yes, okay, let's say that they have put the objective in place. They never seem to make that bridge. And if they do, it's acceptable for that to change. You know, that if that's part of the scope of a marketing campaign is we're going to spend £2,000 on 120 people, that's the first thing that 
certainly in my experience, goes out of the window because they mm-hmm. get a better offer on some print or they get an advert cropped up somewhere or they get something crops up that says, well, do you know what? You could target 5,000 people with this. And suddenly the, the lure of the bigger number, even though it mm-hmm. may be completely misplaced, it, they may be completely wrong people, but they will still change the scope of that campaign to target more people, even knowing that they could be the wrong people. And that is so frustrating. Absolutely. I mean, if I quickly share with you, Mark, how I ended up winning my first global award um, as a big impacts to business award, uh, big big impacts to business coach, um, I knew that I wanted to be able to get in front of a big Nash, uh, um, London-based agency um, and be seen as a taken as a serious consideration to be introduced to some big corporate work. Um, now there were about at the time there were about ten and a half thousand people in competition to me trying to bid for this work. There were over three hundred different agencies available to try and win the work through. But I knew that there were there were the top three in the UK that were liable to open more doors than than just this. I wanted to be able to make the right impression with one of those three agencies. So I concentrated all my marketing on, first of all, some research and development. I actually recruited someone for two or three weeks just to be able to do some online diggings to find out about who they are and where they hang out and what do they do and when they're not at work, what do they do? And I wanted to be able to get inside the heads. I almost became a a professional stalker of about half a dozen people of influence in one of these businesses in order that when my marketing landed in front of them six weeks later, it was so prevalent and relevant to them that it was as if I was in the room and speaking to them like a good old friend. And they phoned me and said, why don't you come along and have a chat as opposed to me having to follow it up with email after email after email. I love that. That is something that is so, so overlooked. And it's something that I think when people are working on these, you know, they all tried and tested marketing personas that everyone goes through and, you know, they they kind of split opinion. But I think there's nothing better than really getting to understand your audience and very specifically what you said there. What do they do outside of work? Where do they shop? What kind of kind of pastimes do they have? What kind of hobbies are they probably going to have? And I think that is so important because you get to know the people and people do tend to forget that. So I really like that. I think that is, that's just right there. That's a massive takeaway. And The other, the other quick thing quickly, Mark, about yeah, of course. Is, is the fact that Whilst we want to believe that we're all special, the only thing that's unique about all of us or any of us is our DNA. And what I mean by that is as soon as you've found somebody that becomes a key person of influence in in your business, somebody that is an introducer or someone that you've marketed to and it's worked exceptionally well, if you look more and more and more into them, you'll find that there are other people similar to them out there also. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and this is what I like about this kind of research is that you've kind of got a process as well. And, you know, people think that everything has to be done differently every time. If you get into the mindset yourself of having to do this kind of research, suddenly it becomes a valued part of your marketing. It's not something that you don't see that value coming back out of. I mean, you know, if, if we could be in the position, if anyone could be in the position of our own prospects calling us, our ideal clients calling us, I'm sure that anyone listening would be willing to put that extra time in. And there's no reason that, that anyone can't do that. So I think that I think that's really, really important. And that just moves us on, actually. Let's get to some action. So 
Jay, I know you've been putting together three high-quality, high actionable tips for people who want to clearly identify exactly who they want to work with. So let's just dive into those three actionable tips. So what is actionable tip number one? Know who is your who. Go back to your list, grade your list, find your A-grade, your top five A-grade customers and learn to know all about them, both inside and outside of work, so you know who you want to attract. Love that. I love that. Yep. Know who is your who. Perfect. And actionable tip number two. Learn how to listen and not just to hear. If you start to actually listen to the conversations that are happening in those A-grade lists, if you actually take the time to not speak to them, but to actually look and listen and learn about what they're saying, then when they invite you to the conversation, you know as to what to say in order to be heard by the people that you want to be influenced by, to, to influence. Love that. Yeah, I, I saw something. Uh, I saw something earlier. One of the old quotes that was out there: "Most people don't listen to hear; they just listen to reply." Which I thought was really, really powerful. I've seen it before, but you kind of forget that. And I think that's that's pretty much everything that you've just said. Learn how to listen and not just to hear. And the third and final actionable tip, sir. I think in anything to do with marketing, we need to get away from the concept of being able to suggest that we either sell a product or a service. An actual fact, understand that marketing is about selling change, a change from a problem to a solution. So understand their problem. So when you market to them, you say something that they want to hear, not what you want to say about you, because it's not about you. It's all about them. That's fantastic. And I think that can be a cultural shift as well for many companies, you know, shifting from being really all about ourselves to being much more focused on solutions for the people that we're actually trying to talk to. And I think that on its own, just, you know, if you take one thing away from this, that can have a massive impact on all aspects of your business. So I think that's so, so valuable. Jay, that has been a superb chat. I think that's really, really insightful. And I think there's a heck of a lot of key takeaways in there. And just before we wrap it up, would you mind just sharing with the listeners where they can connect with you online, please? Certainly. The email address is j j a y at jayallen.uk. That's J-A-Y-A-L-L-E-N.uk. Otherwise, uh, my website is mytruenorth.uk. Check it out, guys, mytruenorth.uk. And of course, as ever, all of the show notes will contain all of the links and all the resources that myself and Jay have spoken about today. Jay, we're just about to wrap up. So thank you once again, sir. And to you, Mark. Thanks very much. And to your listeners. Real pleasure, real pleasure. And guys, don't forget, for everything that we've spoken about, everything that I've just mentioned that will be in the show notes, head on to excellence-expected.com. And whilst you're over there, over there, there's actually a brand new ebook out there, which is a nice, quick, powerful read, which will stop you committing some of the biggest Twitter sins that will damage your credibility. It is a freebie as ever, so head on over there, excellence-expected.com, and pick that up. And until next time, folks, don't forget... The more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios. Adios.